What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hi, shy hearts. Um, welcome to the last week before the return of the shows. Thank God. Not really welcome because it's like the end of the week, so we're uh, almost there. Yeah. Um it's been a week, you guys. It has been a week. A good week, though. Um, I don't know about you, Brenna, but I'm so freaking tired, but in, like, the best way. Yes. So much content coming your guys' way next week. It's all coming next week. So, like, next week, you guys better buckle up. It's going to be a ride. It's going to be amazing. This week was amazing. Yeah, because um, we were – okay. I guess just for a little context, we recorded most of it this week. So, like, what you guys are going to hear next week, we recorded most of this week. So, like, very excited. Very, very excited. It has been a fantastic week. And there is so much we want to talk about with you guys that we cannot yet. And it's killing us. I guess we could go ahead and say, though, because this is out there. One Chicago Day, April 6th. Wednesday. I think that's, yeah, Wednesday, April 6th, the return of the shows. One Chicago Day. Um, I think that's when all of our content's gonna, we decided we're gonna, I think, put everything out on Wednesday. You guys, there is so much content coming from us. Like you, you don't even know there's so much content. And then if that doesn't get any better, so you're going to get the content from us throughout the day, then you're going to get the new episodes. Then you're going to get episode 218 recapping the episodes you just watched with with a special interview with Joe Minoso. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're going to hear a tiny, tiny, tiny preview of it at the end of this episode. So stay tuned, but you will get the full interview attached to episode 218 after the shows come back on Wednesday night, after we've dropped all this content. I mean, it's Wednesday is going to be wild. Wednesday is going to be like wild Christmas in April, you guys like, yeah. I'm really excited for you guys to hear it because we have had so much fun putting it all together. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're really excited. And I mean, not even just from us, like all of our friends who you guys know, cause they've been on the show 20 million times. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have content coming out. I mean, just other outlets in general, the official one Chicago YouTube channel is going to have content coming out. I mean, there's going to be like so much content. You guys aren't going to know what to do. But actually, though, like, clear your schedule if you can. Well, I saw some people in the patron group being like, should I take off of work on Wednesday? And the answer is, um, I mean, probably if you can, I mean, if you can afford to, then yes. Yeah, if you can afford to, absolutely. I'm not going to lie. I took part of work off to do what we did earlier this week in prep for one Chicago day. And I'm glad I did. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad Wednesday is my day off. So like, it just worked out that way. I can have one Chicago day off. So I'm very excited. We have had so much fun, y'all. So much fun. And we cannot wait to be finally be able to talk about everything with you because we've had a blast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So today we are covering Chicago PD season three, episode 17. This is called 40 caliber breadcrumbs. So like we're taking you from like extreme happiness over one Chicago day to like extreme angst and sadness because we're buzzkills. Okay. But uh, like, Yes, it is like a sad episode, but I love this. This is like one of my favorite PD episodes of all time. This is like your favorite of all time, isn't it? I don't, I, 
it's hard. I have to go back, I guess, and reevaluate now. Like, I feel like every couple of seasons, I need to reevaluate, like, what are my favorites to include, like, the newer seasons. But yes, this is definitely, I'd say, like, in my top five for sure. This is one of those episodes for me where, like, certain episodes will air and I'll just be like, well, I'm not watching that one again. That hurt. Really? Yeah. And this was this was under that list until we were going to do the episode. And then I was like, OK, I guess I'm going to watch oh, it. Oh, no, I rewatched this one. I mean, it hurts, but I've rewatched this. I don't even know how many times, like a lot, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> painful. It's painful. It's painful. So we've got a little bit of news. Um, we have episode descriptions, which is awesome. Uh, this is for episodes 18. So the ones airing on April 13th. Mm-hmm. So uh, Chicago Med 718 is called Judge Not For You Will Be Judged. Archer and Hannah clash over a patient with close ties to Goodwin. After a patient is shot during a home invasion, Dylan and Crockett help with the investigation. Maggie and Will work to protect a patient who is in the country illegally. All right. Interesting. Some like dynamic Uh, duos going on. Yeah. Also, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, this is the episode that Brian T comes back and there's like no mention of Choi coming back to the hospital whatsoever. Yeah, supposedly. I I mean, yeah, last we knew this was the episode he was supposed to come back. I would hope he's still coming back in 18, but unconfirmed, I guess, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the fact that you guys are getting the new episode next week, like right after they air, I think that's pretty clear that like, yeah, we've got screeners. So we have seen next week's episodes and I will say the Archer and Hannah pairing, buckle your seatbelts. And that is all I will say. Yeah. I have more I want to say too about a lot of things in these episode descriptions, but I can't. So we can't. And it hurts a lot. Yeah. So fire 1018 is called what's inside you. And it says Firehouse 51 must band together when one of their own is taken hostage. I'm going to throw shit. I have so many thoughts and theories and I can't share them right now because, again, they're after the screeners and I just I can't say anything right this second. But Gina and I will talk offline and we will all talk after Wednesday at 10. We will all talk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why can't our favorites just like be okay why like for real though just one episode where like maybe they go play pub quiz or like maybe they go to the park and there's no emergencies (laughs) like just normal shit that's what fan fiction is for (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah um and chicago pd 918 is called new guard Halstead takes a new recruit under his wing during an investigation. The dynamics are challenging, however, and questions arise over the recruit's complicated past. I'm excited. It's been a long time since we've had a J episode. Jesse always slays it. Always. Slays. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's all we've got in terms of episode descriptions. Obviously, one Chicago day is April 6th. Mark your calendars. Take off work if you can. Just like call in sick. Be like, hey, I'm <coughs> not feeling well. And then just like sit in front of YouTube all day. I don't know. Live your life. <laughs> but yeah, one Chicago day is April 6th. It's also Guy Lockard's birthday. If you wanted to like tweet him happy birthday. Now that he yes. follows us, I mean, like, you know, we're buddies now, right? Yes. So. Okay. We could not do this episode without doing a TV roundup. And by TV roundup, we basically mean Bridgerton roundup. Yeah. So just skip forward a little bit. Follow the um, time time markers in the description because if you haven't seen Bridgerton or don't care, just skip ahead. 
Okay, so Brenda and I always do this thing where we save it for the pod and it kills us because we just want to talk about things like as soon as we see them, right? We have not talked about Bridgerton yet. We've talked about it like briefly. Well, we've talked about it like in group texts, but not to by ourselves. Um, I loved this season so much. Okay, so I feel like we have to talk about the fact that I've read the book and you didn't. Okay. Because I enjoyed this season, but I wouldn't say I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Okay. Did you enjoy it more than season one? Yeah, but I think it's because I was more invested in the world and I was more invested in Anthony as a character compared to Daphne. And I think because I'd read some of the books, like I think I was just more invested. Mm -hmm. So yes, I think I enjoyed it more than season one, but... I don't know. It's just hard because it's definitely very different from, I mean, there's the key elements of the plot are still there in, but it's very different from the book. Uh, let me ask you this. Is Colin an absolute little shit in the book? It, uh, kind of. Yeah. I want to smack him for what he said about Penelope in the last episode. Like that's not forgivable. I'm like, you are forever on my shit list, Colin Bridgerton. So that's a moment they change a little bit of that moment. It is a moment that happens in the books, except in the books, it's with his brothers instead of like random guys. I really so want like to it like is a moment. Um, but yeah. So Penelope is a damn queen. Okay. Like if you can't respect that, you need a GTFO. Yeah. I do like, I do like Colin and Penelope. Um, I, I, I am invested, although there is obviously a lot of talk about like, because there's, okay, they've said, Shonda has said, supposedly, that they may not go necessarily in order, mm-hmm. or like, of the books. Mm-hmm. I hope they don't just decide to do a complete flip-flop. I hope they'll give us maybe more Colin and Penelope as like a lead up to their season, because I just, Colin and Penelope are nowhere near ready to like, be together. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what happens in the books. Um, I finished season two and I immediately put Benedict and Eloise. Eloise, is she the fourth one? No, No, Colin Colin and and Penelope are. Yeah. Yeah. So I put the third and fourth books on my Kindle and I started book three and by started it, I mean, I got into like the first like five pages and then I probably had to go do something else. But uh, yeah, I I do intend to read them though. Oh, I know. Benedict's book is my absolute favorite. I've only read one two three and four i haven't read like eloise and i haven't read that half of the bridgerton siblings yet but benedict is my favorite by far you haven't read like eloise and beyond no not yet i think because when i started reading them i obviously i didn't read any of them until after daphne and you know after season one and then i read the first four because at that point that's all had been confirmed so i didn't want to get my hopes up and i mean i kind of figured i still think they'll get all eight I do mm-hmm. um but like at that point I was like okay I'm gonna read what is confirmed so like I read one through four because we know we're getting at least through season four mm-hmm. and then I was like then I'll go back to you know Eloise but I, I definitely want to read Eloise and because I code I know what happens like I know who kind of they all end up with and I know the plot generally of Eloise's book mm-hmm. and I'm very curious after season two because I know it is very what st- happens with Eloise in season two is very different from her book like that's not yeah huh. 
Okay. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't read Eloise's book yet, but that's also because Eloise is hands down my favorite Bridgerton. Um, but I realize she might not be everybody else's. I think she's so funny. I like her a lot. It's just, like I said, I know kind of the general layout of Eloise's book and you, it's just, it's so different. Like, I don't know even if they'll go with Eloise's book plot, like, like the way season two went. And it's hard for me to talk about without you knowing kind of the general idea of Eloise's book mm-hmm. but like it's so different than what Eloise's book is like what they've done with her so far well how how far off were they with with Anthony's book because I mean I thought the season was great but also I didn't read the books like you said oh it's very different I mean like it's very different in the fact that like in the tv show they don't even get as far like so the b scene that everyone was kind of hyping up pre and post. Oh, oh, I know about that. In the book, doesn't he like suck the venom out of her chest well, or something? That's where they end up getting caught. Like they don't even get to the point in the books where Anthony proposes to, um, oh my God, why can't I think of Kate's sister's name? Edwina. Edwina. Yes. I was trying to call her her name in real life and I was like, that is not it. <laughs> um, yeah. They don't even get to that part in the books. Like that is not a thing in the books. Like they, it goes way farther in the show. Um, and there's a lot more like PTSD stuff with like Anthony's father's death in the books. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, like there's a whole like thunderstorm motif that they really don't get into in, um, and that really brings Anthony and Kate together in the books. And they don't really get into that in the show that much at all. Um, and those are kind of some of the big moments that people love in the books and they just like, don't really get into, like, it's very much, they dragged out the slow burn in the show. I feel like they definitely dragged it out. I did hit a point during the season where I was like, okay, Anthony's just a grump at this point. Like, can he just like shut the fuck up for just a little bit? Like, yeah, definitely hit that point midway through the season where I was like, you're just a buzzkill. Stop it. Yeah. But no, like I said, it's different. I mean, it's, it's definitely different. Um, but like I said, I mean, I still really, I like the show. I, mean, I can appreciate the show because the show had to be the show. And like, they obviously have to do things different. It's, they're just two different mediums. Like I can appreciate the fact that like, not everything about the book is going to work on a show. Mm-hmm. The thing honestly about the show that killed me the most is like, I did not need any of the Featherington stuff like at all. It was so pointless that yeah I agree with that I definitely agree with that like I mean like give me Penelope and then like I don't need anybody else that is all I need I don't need her sisters I don't need Lady Featherington I don't need the new what's his face and they spent so much time on it yeah it's like no (laughs) like I just I don't need that yeah no I didn't need that either but I mean I forgot like going into this because I mean it's been what like a year and a half since no well End of 2020 year, was the first season. It was like 14 months. Yeah. yeah. So like a year and change. I just forgot how like downright fun the world of Bridgerton is and just how you yeah. can like sit back and be like, oh, how wonderful. Like, this is just so it's fun. It's sweet. Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed like jumping back into that world. It was really yeah, nice. For sure. And like all the family moments are really great. Like that is really like one of the strengths of Bridgerton. I feel it's just all the Bridgerton family moments. Mm-hmm. Um, even just like the little thing you know the brothers hanging out together and then even the bigger moments and like the Daphne and Anthony stuff I thought worked and just I love the moment when nobody shows up to whosoever ball it is I don't remember Mm -hmm. and they all have that big like dance or whatever and you get like Hyacinth and Anthony like I just I loved all of that I think anything Bridgerton like the whole fam or even just the little you know duos and trios or whatever it just all works 
probably won't. I'm hoping as we get into season four and then onward, I'm just manifesting that they're going to get a late. Uh, they're going to have to show us more of Francesca and Gregory and Hyacinth because we don't know them right now. Right now they're little and they just hang in the background. I don't know anything about them. Well, and that's kind of so at least in the books that I've read, like eventually you start to see like Francesca definitely becomes like a bigger mm-hmm. thing and you see her her you know like you see kind of the introduction of Francesca's story and then eventually you see a little bit more of Gregory and Hyacinth too and then obviously eventually they get their own books but um Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's just because they're so little like yeah you know yeah um because they're like that obviously in the books too like the age gaps and whatever so Mm -hmm. um can we also talk about the insane chemistry between Kate and Anthony I mean they nailed the casting oh my god um Simone Ashley is like the most gorgeous woman I've ever seen unreal she is beautiful like oh my god yeah every single dress she wore was like flawless every single one yeah I mean it's 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 unreal like they nailed it and like even in season one knowing that that was he was going to be Anthony like I knew that Jonathan Bailey was going to work like I knew and he I mean he killed it he he killed it Simone killed it like I thought they really, they, I mean, just down to like everybody. I thought they've nailed the casting. Even if it's characters I don't like, I still am like, okay, but like that person's really good at playing this character I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Just the the chemistry was unbelievable. And then like the dresses this season. Oh my God. Like, I mean, the costuming was unbelievable in season one, but it's even more fantastic in season two. Like, there's so many dresses where I'm like, I'd wear that. I'd wear that. That's freaking gorgeous. Oh my God. Like, yeah. Unbelievably beautiful. It's just, it's really, it's really good. I like that. I very much, I, I, I feel like I have to put the book aside and recognize that they've adapted something for a TV show. Mm-hmm. I still, I re- I definitely enjoyed season two. Um, I'm very excited for season three. It swear to God, it's still better be Benedict and Sophie at the core. Like, I don't care. I just, I need Benedict and Sophie. I mean, if it's going to be I anybody else, they might speed up Colin and Penn or they might give us a No, lead. Colin and Penn aren't ready. They're no, not ready. I, I agree. And frankly, Colin does not deserve Penelope. Colin can go fuck off at my at this point with me. I'm just like, Penelope's a goddamn queen. Respect her, okay? Like, we, we are not ready for Colin and Penelope at all. Um, I think they'll do, we were talking about this in one of our group texts. Like, I think they will- do maybe some more bigger moments of Colin and Penn. Like Colin and Penn will definitely be like the B storyline in order to lead us up to their stuff. Mm-hmm. But they are not ready to like carry a season. They are not ready just to be together. They are not. They they got a lot more to go. No, no. You know what I would love to see happen? I would love to see Penelope write some trash about him just to get revenge. <sighs> Sweet. But again, you've read the books, you know, you know, these things. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't mind seeing Eloise's book sooner than later, but that's because I love Eloise. And I thought she and Theo were super cute in this season, but I also know, I know a little bit about her book, a teeny bit. Um, what do you know about her book? She doesn't end up with Theo. Can I tell you something that may break your heart a little bit? Does she die? No, that's not what I was going to tell you. I was about to like flip shit. Um, do I, I go ahead, break my heart? Theo's not a thing in the books, like at all, ever. Really? Like, that is like a TV show thing. Yeah. He's like a fictional character. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, okay. I mean, they're all fictional characters, but yes, he's not a TV show thing at all. 
I loved what they had. I thought it was so cute. Well, and that's kind of why I wonder what they're going to do. And, you know, like, I really like, I thought Theo and Eloise were great. I really definitely enjoyed that too. But like, he is not in the book series at all. Huh. So like the fact that they developed him that much, like, are they going to kind of abandon what they did in Eloise's book and go with that? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Interesting. Um, but no, Theo is not a thing in the books at all. Huh. Like ever. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, my new life goal now, um, you know, one day in the future when COVID is like long forgotten, we're going to have a pod squad meetup, like us ladies night locker room. I mean, the six of us obviously, obviously have to find a park and play Paramount. Right now. Right. We have to, <laughs> we have to. Oh my God. That would be fun. I mean, I'm sure we could find wickets and mallets on Amazon or something. We definitely could. We have to. It just has to happen. Ugh. Oh my god, so yes. good, so good. And also, they cast the they cast the prequel for the Queen. Um, I, I think saw they, that they did it this week. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, the Queen had some interesting stuff this year too. Because you know, we 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 finally met the King a little bit. And now we know he's like he's got dementia, and you know, it kind of revealed a whole other side of her. Yeah, I'll be curious to see the prequel. I mean, I I'm down for anything Bridgerton at this point. Same. So. Same. Just like pick me up and place me in Regency era England and I'd be totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. Oh, Bridgerton. I'm tempted to rewatch some of it just because it was so enjoyable. I've definitely gone back and watched scenes. I just, I haven't, you know, it came out, was that last weekend? Oh my God, it was. Um, I just haven't had the time, you know, it's been a busy week as we've already alluded to. It's been Mm -hmm. a crazy week. So I haven't had that time to rewatch as much as I would like, but I definitely will go back. And I really want to, it makes me, it made me really, I mean, yes, I want to reread. It made me really want to read, reread Kate and Anthony's book, but it made me really, really, really want to reread Benedict's book. I'm just so like, I love Benedict. I know I'll start it. I'll start it so that I can like live text you and be like, ah, this is crazy. Um, that line though, that line when he's like, you're the bane of my existence and the object of all my desires. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Who and when Chicago would be the one to say that to like some, you know, their other half of their ship, Adam, he'd lay his heart out there. Yeah. It's definitely either Adam. I'll, it's definitely either Adam or I feel like that's also, if we're picking a different show, it's definitely a Hakami thing for sure. Oh my God. Now then, now I'm just imagining Hakami and Bridgerton and I'm just like, mm. <laughs> oh, this is nice. But Violet would be like an Eloise type. She would hate the whole thing. She'd be like, this is ridiculous. I hate this pageantry. Why am I wearing this dress? I'm not dancing with you. This is stupid. Like she would hate it. Yeah. And then Hawkins would be like the playboy where like all the girls are just in love with them. It'd be great. (laughs) Somebody write that crossover pic, please. It'd be great. Let's be real. I need it. Just, just. Oh, and the music. Oh my God. Um, Oh my God. At the end. Yeah. The wrecking ball. The wrecking ball was so good. I was thinking of the one when they're like Kate and Anthony are finally dancing together and they're playing dancing on my own. Oh my God. I just, yeah. Just, I just want to like live in Bridgerton. It's just so colorful and pretty and happy. I also wouldn't mind seeing Simon in these other seasons. Like I kind of missed seeing him this season. I knew he wasn't going to be in it, but still kind of missed it. I mean, yeah, but honestly in the book, I want to say he's only in like 
two or three seasons. Like, he's barely in the book, too. Mm-hmm. It's not like they wrote, you know, uh, it, it not, it's not like it was a stretch for him not to be in it. Um, but yeah, definitely would be nice. I would hope he would pop up again, but I feel like he's, like, done with it. Oh. I mean, I, I read something today that Simone said that Kate's going to be back. Yes, which, like, we need more Kate and Anthony. Um, yes, please. We That would be my only complaint is I feel like compared to Daphne and Simon, we got, I mean, because we they got married, I want to say it was, like, episode four or five. Mm-hmm. And so we got at least, even though there was, like, troubles, like, we got time with them as a real couple. Mm-hmm. And, like, Kate and Anthony, it was, like, they don't get together till the very end of episode eight. And you get, like, one minute, literally, of them being, like, a happy couple. And you're like, oh, this is not enough. So I just need happy uh, Kate and Anthony. Yeah. Oh my God. They're so good together. So good. Oh my gosh. Okay. I I mean, this could be like Bridgers and talk all night if we let it be, but we have to talk about PD. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, this is just, this episode like rips my heart into a million pieces. This is the only the second time I've watched this episode. The first being when it aired. No, dead serious. Yeah. I I mean silent because my jaw is literally like on my desk right now. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I've honestly seen this episode. I don't even know, like twenty times. I mean, like I like this is like one of my like go to. What am I like if I need if I want to watch some PD? Like, what am I gonna watch? Like, I love this episode. I've seen it twenty bajillion times. Oh my god! So I very much consider myself an empath. Um, I'm Brennan knows that, but like. There are certain characters, like, across whatever show I'm watching, certain characters, like, when they hurt, I hurt, and Jay is that character for me. When Jay hurts, I hurt. Only, you know what, maybe that's more so true in the early seasons. It's only the early seasons of PD where, like, when Jay hurts, I hurt. The later seasons, I'm like, he's okay. He's good. Like, he's okay. I'm okay. That's good. Yeah, Um, no, I get that. I mean, this is definitely a tough one, and I haven't seen this one in a little bit, so, like, this was my first time watching it in a little bit, and there's definitely moments where I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, I forgot about that. I was like, that hurts a little bit, Um, but, like, I just think this is one of, this is just so well, such a well-crafted story to me. I just, I love it. Yeah, well, this is like this is like one of those episodes. I know a lot of our friends have no problem rewatching like seven oh nine and seven ten when Jay gets shot. Oh no! Oh, I, I haven't touched those. I will not touch that with a ten foot pole. I'm like, no, that was fucking traumatizing. Like, yeah, I haven't touched those in a little bit. But and then and I, I just remember watching seven ten and like my inner monologue the whole time was like, you better fucking be alive. Like Jay had better live. Like it was just that the entire time. I was like, I don't care about the case. Like that man had better be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this episode aired in March of 2016. Um, and I, I, the only reason I remember that is because I clearly remember, like, I I remember stuff that I was going through at the time, like, and when this episode aired, but that's beside the point, but yeah, this aired in 2016. So this was still the Rick Eyed era. Was it still Rick Eyed? No, this was the Derek era. Season three. Oh shit. This was Derek era. Oh my god. Rick Eyed isn't till season five. Holy shit. Oh my god. Uh yeah, no, you're right. You're right. No, this is the Derek era. Derek pulled double duty there for the first couple seasons where he was showrunner on both Fire and PD. Yes. God, I forget about this that sometimes. Derek era. That's bananas. This is dark even for Derek. I mean, is it though? Is it though? This is Derek's a little twisty sometimes. 
little bit, I think. I don't know. Okay, so we start the episode. This is back when, just just so you know where we are, Aaron's still in the picture. This is like an all-star cast in this episode. We got Aaron. We got Antonio. We got Al. We got Mouse. Like, this was in like our all-star era. So this is the point where for some odd reason, Jay is like, I'm going to work security. This is, I think, was Jay's security stint was after Antonio's, right? Yes. Yeah. They're different seasons. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for some odd reason, Jay is like, I'm going to work in security. And they were just like, we're going to recycle this bit. And so Jay is working at a marijuana dispensary, a marijuana dispensary run by this woman, Brianna, who is played by Charisma Carpenter. Any Buffy fans out there? Yes. Her. So Jay is at the marijuana dispensary facility, whatever, and he's eating sushi and Brianna comes over to say hi. Now, Brianna is like super thirsty. She is like seeker before seeker. Okay. Which like, whatever, I can't blame you. I mean, okay, but back off. He's taken. So she comes over and Jay's like, we never have catered food. Like, this is amazing. You run a pretty tight operation. So as they're talking and Brianna's flirting, the other guy, Terry, walks in. Terry's the other guy who works security with Jay. Terry walks in with his wife and we basically find out that she's pregnant and they're having a boy. So perfect, right? It's only two minutes in, so we know it's only going to go downhill, right? Yep. Yeah. So Terry's <coughs> wife is talking to Jay and she's like, do you have kids? And he's like, I haven't really found time for that. And she's like, are you married? He's like, haven't found time for that either. Little bitty baby Jay. Uh, so Jay's like, okay, well, we got to go do this run. So at this point it's 2016. I, I don't know if marijuana is marijuana has been legalized in like a couple of States at this point, but not, not widely, like not right. Yeah. Much. Uh, so I think in Chicago, it had only been approved for medicinal use at that point, but, uh, basically since it's a dispensary, they can't use the bank system is what happens. And so Brianna basically has to make runs of cash, like actual physical cash to a safe deposit box. Yeah, a safe deposit box. So she basically every week they do a run of like $250,000 in cash, in cash. Yep. Yeah, to the safe deposit box. And so they have Jay and the other security guy go take it. So Jay and Terry go to do a normal run of the mill bank run. Okay. The driver and like the driver and them are talking about like their past. And the guy's like, dude, I was a DEA agent. And like, both of them are like, we were military. Like this is crazy. But before that though, you forgot about thirsty Brianna because she go, they go, they're setting up to go do the bank run. And Brianna's like giving Jay the key to the safety deposit box. And she like puts it in his hand, like closes it up. And she like asks him to dinner and Mm -hmm. Jay, like, he's like, I'm kind of, and she's like, I'm going through a divorce. Like we can keep it simple. I'm just like, LOL, Brianna, you are so thirsty. We can keep it simple and you can cheat on your girlfriend. Yeah. Plus a plus advice there. Yeah. Um, I think Brianna is one of those characters that I've tried to block from memory. Just. Yeah. I don't even think she's that bad. I just think it's funny. Like looking back on it, I'm just like, you are so thirsty. Oh, big time. Thirsty AF. Thirsty. I just didn't have the patience for her. Cause I was like, can you like, I don't have the patience for you right now. Can you please leave Linstead the fuck alone? Like yeah, I guess oh, especially because like obviously Linstead gets together early season three, so like they haven't been together for too too long at this mm-hmm. point, and you've just been obviously waiting for them to finally get together. So it's just like really, really, yeah. Now you're gonna throw in Brianna, mm-hmm. but Jay doesn't fall for it, so it's fine. 
Yeah, yeah, because he's a good man, damn it. Okay, yep. so they're en route to the bank, and they're basically like it's like an overpass. They come under this overpass, and the car in front of them stops. And so Jay's like, "The fuck, dude! Like they're not supposed to stop. What are we doing?" And the driver's like, "Yeah, they're probably lost. Whatever." Out of nowhere, an exploding car just falls from the sky. Like, you know how last week we were like, I hate when there's a dead stripper in my kitchen. I hate when I'm driving in an exploding car just lands in front of me. I hate that. It's so bizarre too, because the way it falls, it honestly kind of falls like on its side. It's almost one of those things where it's like, how did it fall like that? And like, how did, how did they do it? I mean, from, from a filming perspective, yeah, they probably like, that's one question, but how did the robbers do that? Right, because obviously it was meant to be a distraction so the robbers could then rob them. But like, so they set a car on fire and then how do they push it? Was somebody in there and drove it off a cliff? But then no, because then- No, because that, it, landed on, it landed facing sideways. Right, so like how they just push it, but then how do they push a car off an overpass? Like, I don't understand. And if they push it, like physically push it, it's going to roll over onto its top. Right, or on its- you know, other, it may happen to land on his wheels, but it doesn't land the way that it landed. It does not land right side up. And then what did they use to catch it on fire? They let some gas on fire in the car, I guess. That's also a good question. I feel like that one's easier to digest. They could have just doused it in gasoline and lit it, but then like it, I would say that maybe they even like rigged it so that the accelerator would go with nobody in it, but then it would have just like, it wouldn't have just like plopped on the ground. It would have plopped perfectly in that direction. It would have gone like over and diagonal and like way further out of the way than they wanted. It was just too precise for some dumbass robbers to like have rigged up. Yeah, way too precise. <laughs> way too precise. <clears throat> Unless they like Fast and Furious styled it and dropped it out of a plane. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there would have been a lot more commotion going on when a, if a plane is over the city of Chicago and all of a sudden a car on fire drops down from the sky. <laughs> God, I hate when I'm in an episode of Chicago PD and Fast and the Furious happens. <laughs> yeah man so yeah jay and terry are like dude the fuck where did that come from so this big old shootout happens and so jay and terry are like behind the door they're doing their thing you know there's shots going everywhere it's chaos of course they're in a giant shootout there's a car coming from behind these people are in masks like guns everything so jay and terry are like hiding behind the door and then at some point there's like a gap in the action there's like some sort of like awkward pause where Terry decides to run out from the cover of the door. And that happens. And Jay's like, dude, like, no. And before that even happens, Terry gets shot in the neck. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Jay is like rattled, really rattled. Cause like usually when Jay is in any sort of crisis situation like this and that's seasons now, or even before this incident, like he's pretty collected. This rattled him like big yeah. time. Yeah. And it's not even that, like, because prior to Jay working at the marijuana dispensary, it's not like he and Terry have been lifelong friends or anything. Like, Terry's someone he's only known as long as he's been working at the marijuana dispensary. For, so, for what, like a couple weeks? Mm -hmm. So, I think that context is important too. Is like, it rattled him so much about someone he really doesn't know that well. My only guess is like, I mean, maybe it's the kind of thing where, like, if they're fellow military, you immediately, like, have a bond with them. 
And like, well, yeah, and I think, I think, yeah. yeah, for sure. I think he and Terry clearly bonded over that. And I think, you know, I, yeah, for sure. And like seeing him, seeing him definitely dredged up some old memories, but like, yeah, I, we, I, I don't, I think this is the most rattled we've ever seen Jay. At this point. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the offenders ultimately get away with the money. Intelligence shows up. And again, Jay is flying off the handle. Like he's not okay. He's running up to the driver. He's like, the fuck did you do? And Al is there to kind of hold him back, which like, thank God for Al in this episode. Yeah. For real though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell everyone what they need to hear. But yeah, but actually though, and like, and, and this episode highlights it so well that there was a level of understanding between Al and Jay that was purely unspoken, completely unspoken, but you always knew it was there. Well, and I think a lot of it comes back to, too, even though, again, I always forget that Al is technically military, but mm-hmm. Al is technically military. Yep. And I think a lot of it is like they really don't have much in common, but they do. They have some sort of bond because they're both military. Um. Yeah, Al... Yeah, Al, Al being former military, I think that's where the unspoken bond comes from because Al has that experience. And so he knows how to reach Jay when nobody else does. Yep. It's a really beautiful, just unspoken bond. So, you know, we see Burgess on the scene. This is back when they're still on the beat. So Burgess is still in her, you know, her blues, whatever. And then Roman rolls up. I totally forgot he was still around this season. Like literally when he rolled up, I was just like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot. Also, whatever hat he's wearing, he looks ridiculous. Okay, I'm just going to say it. He looks ridiculous. Oh, yeah, it's not a good look. No, not a good look. No. Um, so, yeah, so Al and Jay are talking. And then, like, there's even that moment where Jay's like, you don't even understand. He was ducking. And Al's like, I don't care about him. I care about you. Yep. So sweet. Yep. Just such a good moment. So Roman walks up, ruins everything because that's Roman. And he's just like, yeah, one of the offenders left a 40 caliber breadcrumb at the scene, which like of all the people to give the title to, you give it to Roman. Yeah, I know. Just forever going to hate on that guy. I don't care. Okay. So then we get back to the 21st. This is a good Linstead moment. It's very quick. I know. It kills me in the best way. So like Aaron's waiting for him. She's just standing there leaning against the wall, waiting for him to get back. And like, she was scared. You can hear it in her voice. Like, Yeah, because she she's like, I heard it over the monitors. Are you okay? And like, she goes in for the hug and like, oh my God. I know, oh God. I know. And it's such a sweet hug because both of them are like completely drained of energy. And like Aaron, Aaron is completely drained from worrying. Jay completely drained from like going through it. And like, all he can do is just like hug her and squeak out. He's just like, Aaron, I'm okay. Like that's all he can like muster the energy to say. I know. This was peak Linstead. Yeah. Peak Linstead at their best. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. And this is one of those things too. Like, I know that people have their arguments now and like, we can all argue now about like, did Aaron really care about Jay and yada, 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 and that whole conversation? I She definitely did. I think the argument can be made on, like, who cared more and, like, how was she really in love with him or did she just care about? Like, we can make all of those arguments, but to say that Aaron didn't care about Jay, I think is bullshit. I, I'm i realizing now that I feel the same way about Linstead that I'm starting to feel about Berzik, which is that, like, yeah, Aaron loved him when she had time. Like, this episode See, and I'm not saying I'm not saying loved. I, I'm not saying loved. I, although about. I do think she did love Jay on some level. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm saying, like, you can't tell me that Aaron didn't care about Jay. I mean, I feel like she cared about him when it was convenient. I, I think, I think there's also a difference too. And again, we can make this argument too. I think there's definitely a difference pre-season four and post-season four. Like once Justin Voigt dies and Aaron helps hide the body, mm-hmm. I think that's a difference too. Hmm. I think that's, I think that was really the break breaking moment for Linstead but that's a different argument too that's a different conversation um but yeah for sure I just I I think it's very obvious that she cares and you know was definitely very worried and about him yeah it's a good moment it's a good moment so then we see Jay in Voight's office and like there's a moment where they just stare at each other and Jay's like uh you're not taking me off the case so like have fun with that and Voight's like but actually this is how this works. I'm going to do whatever I see fit. Uh, and so Jay's like, dude, like this is Terry's blood. Like I saw the guy who shot him. You need me. Side note though, this is that same jacket that he has always had. I'm trying to think about which jacket he's wearing. It's the black one with the red lining on the inside. Oh yeah. Same yeah. jacket. Um, I like, okay, no, granted there is a stark difference between a bullet and blood, but also I would think that like, you would do the same to that jacket as you do with Kim's mustard yellow one, which is like toss it, right? But at this point, oh, well, I guess you just got blood on it. Just got blood on it? <laughs> I mean, not everyone can afford to just throw out jackets every time they get blood on them. No, I'm not saying that they can, but I'm also saying like if 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 I witness a brutal murder right in front of my eyes, I probably don't want to wear the article of clothing I was wearing at that time ever again because it's I gonna mean, trigger memories. We are rational people, though, Gina. We are rational people. This is Chicago PD. They are not all rational. So I I just I was. Yeah, because then he's wearing the jacket again a couple scenes later, and I'm like, he had the wherewithal to wash that thing when he just watched his friend get murdered? He's a little strapped for cash right now. That's why he goes to work at the dispensary in the first place. (laughs) Touche, (laughs) touche. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, he's a guy. He needs the money. That's why he goes works for Brianna in the first place. Could buy a new jacket or I can save up for a mortgage, you know. Because, you know, a couple episodes later is when he is talking about he is going apartment hunting and like Lindsay and they're make, having that whole conversation. And he's like, yeah, but I found this studio and she's, you know, they have that whole it's like in the waiting room at a hospital. I don't remember mm-hmm. why. But yeah, he's like strapped for cash. It's like why he goes to work at the dispensary. <laughs> so Brianna comes in for questioning and she's like, I have no idea who would be behind the robbery. So Jay's watching on the other side of the glass. And that's when Al comes in and it just like, Al just rips the bandaid off, but there's really nobody better to tell him than Al. It had and, to be Al. It had to be. Yeah. And so Al just comes in and lays it on him. He's like, I just heard from Ed. Terry didn't make it just rips the bandaid off. Yeah. Um, and there is a moment where he's just like, you know, you should probably take some days off and Jay just doesn't say anything and leaves. Yep. So kind of not really full circle, but like interesting. Cause you compare it to what, when, Al, when Jay got the news that Al had died, he kind of like didn't say anything and left. Oh, I didn't make that comparison. Yeah. Kind of full circle, but not really full circle. Maybe full circle. Interesting comparison. Yeah. Just interesting. And like, I love consistency. That's cool. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. 
So then we have a really awkward Burzik interaction. I forgot that like this was happening at that time. Oh, this was so bad. This was like a stretch of two or three episodes where they were like, let's just try out Adam being jealous. Oh God. It was not a good, like, listen, obviously team Burzik forever and ever and ever, but like this did not work. And I'm not saying I'm on team Roman, but like Adam was definitely in the wrong this for sure. Such a bad look. Such a bad look. Oh my God. So yeah, Roman and Burgess come in from patrol. They're talking. Ruzik's like, did you get any more witness statements? And he's just like kind of bitchy about it. Um, And then Platt's like, yeah, whatever. You guys are detailed to intelligence for now. And then Roman's like, oh, we're out on loan again. Roman, shut up. Like, go away. More important things happening right now. Go away. So Jay runs into Brianna on her way out and she's like, oh my God, I heard what happened to Terry. Like, I can't help but feel responsible for what happened. Jay's like, you're not, I am. Jay. I know. None of that. I mean, I don't expect Jay to do have any other reaction other than to feel guilty for it, but I'm like, he, it's not his fault, obviously. What was he supposed to do? I mean, Terry ran out from behind the door of his own free will. Yep. <sighs> So she offers to pay for the funeral. Jay's like, dude, he was a Marine. He's going to get a military send off. And so Voight just quietly lurks around the corner and like notices Brianna grab, like Brianna grabs Jay's hand. Um, and Voight's just like, hmm, I see that. She does that a lot. This is like the second time this episode that she's done that. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm all about like shoot your shot, but also like respect boundaries. Okay. He is taken. Right. So then Mouse fills in the rest of the unit. Mouse, I miss him so much. And this episode used him so well because it was like he was part of the unit. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Like, imagine if Mouse had gone to the Academy. Oh, my oh. God. It would have been so good. Remember how we, I mean, and everybody kind of wanted, like, for that little bit of overlap, we could have had Mouse and Nadia. <sighs> yes. If only what could have been. Oh my God. They would have been so cute. It would have been so cute. It would have been the best. They could have had like a super precious meat cute at the vending machines. They could have been PD's power couple. Oh Think about that. God. Oh, they would have been so cute. Yeah, she definitely, Nadia was wanting to go through the Academy, but then even if Mouse didn't, like, oh, it just would have worked so well. They could have been study buddies. It would have worked so well. I know. Both of them deserved better. For sure. I, I, it is on the list of episodes at some point. I do kind of want to do Mouse's last episode. I am curious to see. I haven't seen that in a while. And at least Mouse is still alive as far as we know. So, okay. We're not putting that out there. <laughs> okay. Fine. Fine. Raina, take it, take it from here. Okay. So Mouse fills in the rest of the unit, like Gina said. They basically, they get a partial print off the gun that they was left at the scene and comes back from this guy, Joey, Joey Ortiz. Alberter's like, okay, yeah, Ortiz is part of a crew that, of course, follows cartels with large amounts of money and robs them. So, like, this has got to be our guy, right? Um, and so Voight tells them, he's like, okay, yeah, pull, pull alert, put out an alert on Ortiz. And he, of course, pulls Jay aside. And he, like, straight up asks Jay, no, like, bullshitting or whatever. He's like, are you sleeping with Brianna? And Jay's like, no. And even if I was, like, what does that have to do with anything? And he's like, I'm going to ask you one more time. Are you sleeping with her? And he's just like, no. I mean, like, 
Voight's got a point in asking, but also Jay is completely right in the way he replies. Yeah, but I think there's a different way with I I think Voight's coming from a fatherly figure place, right? Mm-hmm. Because of obviously his relationship with Aaron. He knows that Aaron and Jay are in a serious relationship at this point. I understand Jay, Voight being curious to know what Jay and Brianna's relationship, but to straight up ask him, like, are you sleeping with her? Like, I don't know. It's a little weird. Oh, I could never work in intelligence. Like the, just the, the lack of boundaries. I could never. Yeah, for sure. I'd prefer to just like watch them from 20 feet away and be like, go guys, you got this. You're awesome. I could never. But, but like you said, Jay was also definitely valid in his reaction for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so later on, Burgess and Roman are out looking for Ortiz and they find his car. So like while they're waiting for a sign of Ortiz, Roman asks Burgess, she's like, he's like, what's your problem? And she's like, I don't know. He's got a short fuse. He gets jealous. And Roman's like, well, what do we, what do you have? What does he got to be jealous about? Like we're partner. And she's just like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Right. Like, that's what I'm saying. And it's because this is in the obviously post Burzik breakup, but like Burgess kind of has a crush on Roman face. Ew. And so she, he's like, we're partners and like the look on her face is like sad because she kind of wants to maybe be more and it's just like eh, no, no no he was no a rebound no me gusta no. um so ortiz comes out of his like warehouse or whatever and they call in intelligence they go in whatever arrest him they bring him in for questioning and he's like i don't know anything about the robbery he's like i just had a bag of guns stolen out of my car last week like you know whatever so aaron interrupts and like fills everyone in in the bullpen apparently this guy ortiz's cousin was like a runner for the cartels um and was gonna give ortiz up for robbing their cash drops um yada 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 there's some history there and basically plus ortiz and his cousin were spotted on a security footage like across town like just minutes before jay was lit up so like ortiz isn't the guy mm-hmm. so because they Ortiz is not the guy out Boyd's like listen we're gonna try this kind of random ass theory Al go sweep the dispensary for bugs he's like you go do that and so that's what Al does but before that Jay goes to Terry's house for the visitation and he just apologizes over and over and over again to Terry's wife and we're gonna play the clip you know when Terry got back from his last tour he was no angel to deal with yeah, I know how that goes. It was so hard on him. Booze, pills, and then even harder stuff. His father and brothers tried, but I nursed him through it. Helped him find a therapist. It sounds like you really saved him. This came last week. He got into the police academy to report next month. (laughs) (laughs) Terry. He didn't even mention he took the exam. Maybe he was too proud to tell you until it was official. One thing I know, he really looked up to you. Said you went through a lot of the same things.
wouldn't know what else to do with it. Oh, man. It's cool. Just, like, rip my heart out and stomp on it. Yeah, this scene kills me every time. Yeah. And especially, I think it's... I, I really think about this scene a lot because I think it's one of those moments that just make reminds you of like you don't have to know someone for very long for them to have an impact on your life yeah and like that's clearly the instance of this right like like I said he knew Terry for what a couple weeks maybe Mm -hmm. but it's very clear that Jay had an impact on Terry and that Terry also had an impact on Jay and I just it's uh, oh it just rips my heart out every time. And like, and, and, and Jay seeing, you know, what this is doing to his widow and all that stuff. Like, I just, I always think back to that song from the band Perry, where it's like the short, the sharp, or the sharp knife of a short life. Like that's being there is just reminding him of everything that was completely just taken away in the name of like drugs and money. Well, and especially too, when you think about the fact that Terry was army or was military, mm-hmm. And had a rough time coming home, right? But his wife nursed him out of that and like got that he Terry got through the other side, right? Of PTSD. Mm-hmm. And for that to then end like this, obviously we talk about or Jay talks about it later on in the episode, but like Jay saw a lot of this stuff coming home, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the part that killed him about his time in the military was not even the stuff that happened overseas. It was coming home and being there for all the PTSD and seeing how it affected the other guys' wives and girlfriends and families and whatever. But Terry made it out of the other side of that, thanks yeah. to his wife. And to see it then end, like you said, the sharp, sharp knife of a short life, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Brutal. He was one of the, he was one of the lucky ones who got through to the other side. Yeah, you're right. Exactly yep. right. Yeah. So Alan Ruzik, like I said earlier, they did go to the check for bugs at the dispensary. And of course, they're like getting all the stuff together in the car. And Ruzik, like, can't help but ask him if he's seen Roman sniffing around Burgess lately. We just have to play the audio. Al, have you seen Roman sniffing around Burgess lately? Well, they're partners. I thought you two split up. Well, yeah, but I mean... So what do you care? What do I care? Al, she was my fiance and not two seconds ago, and it seems like she's moving on a little fast, wouldn't you say? Listen, you gotta decide what kind of cop you wanna be. You wanna chase tail, which is fine. Al, it's not tail, it's champ. Listen, man, kid that I pulled out of the academy and assigned to intelligence, a unit that any young cop would give his right nut to be a part of, needs to figure out his priorities. Okay, first of all, Adam, you are not dogs. You are not sniffing around anything. Burgess is a human being. Preach it, Gina. Preach it. You are not dogs sniffing each other's butts at a dog park, okay? Yeah. I did appreciate the moment where Al's like, you know, you got to decide between chasing tail. And he's like, Al, it's not tail. It's Kim. Thank yeah. you. Progress. Yeah, but I also think Al was right, too, in that, like, he's got to, Ruzik has to figure out what actually, if, if Kim is what matters to him, that's fine. Then go after Kim, but, like, you've got to figure out your priorities, dude. Well, not even that. Just, like, be a decent human and, like, turn down the jealousy. It's not a good look. That's some Joe Goldberg shit. Also, like, going back when Adam's, like, oh, yeah, she was my fiance not two seconds ago, and it seems like she's moving on a little fast. You're broken up. You have no right in this anymore. 
that and you know he he says it it's, it's so possessive the way he says it like she was my fiance not two seconds ago and what's your and point? she's not your fiance anymore that is correct and even when she was your fiance she wasn't like a little doll you just had in your pocket like pull yeah. it together pull it together this is not you adam this was like a two episode experiment that was just so bad so yeah bad. But I, I will say, though, it really makes it's really funny now to look back on this and see how far Adam's come. And especially when you put it in the context of Burzik, but also mm-hmm. just Adam as a person. I'm like, this is not the Adam of season nine. Oh, no, no. Adam I would hope not. It's been six al- years. Oh, my God. It really has. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? I know. I know. I was thinking about this, too, watching the episode. And I was like, well, you know what? Like, if if Jay is like if, if Jay is the same age that Jesse is now, then like. In that episode, you know, it's same with Patty, right? If Adam's the same age as Patty, well, in that episode six years ago, Adam was 32. Now he's 38. Night and day, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, I forget that Patty's that old. <laughs> Jesse's going to be that old this month, April. Oh, man. They don't seem like they're 30-something. <laughs> I promise it's not that old. I mean, it is, but it isn't. I feel old. But <laughs> Well, I mean, like, late 30s. You're almost 40. I mean, I mean, I guess I'm going to be 27 this year. So like, oh, no, you're late 20s. I know. (laughs) I know. It's okay. It's okay. But anyway, 35 was hard for me. Okay. I'm like, I'm officially in the mid part. I've been talking about it with my friend a lot. I think it's because I feel like I missed my mid 20s because of COVID Mm. that I feel like I went straight from like early 20s to like late 20s and I'm like but wait where was like the middle years like I just feel like I missed that chapter that's fair that's fair I mean I just missed like what my early 30s but like it was just like the back end of my early 30s so like it wasn't too bad but yeah that's fair but if your mid-20s were gonna be like anything like mine like my mid-20s were a clusterfuck so like I went through my mid my mid twenties. It was awful. I kind of fell apart, broke, and then like put myself back together. And I didn't really pull myself together until twenty nine. And then I was like, "This doesn't suck." Yeah, like I did. I just I don't know. I feel like, which everyone of course missed the last two years. But like for me, it was like literally like twenty five and twenty six. No, it was the end of twenty four, twenty five, and then like most of twenty six. Yeah. Yeah, so I, that's I, like I, definitively like your mid, like a whole section of like your mid, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just a weird. Yeah. I, I forget a lot of people like went through the pandemic at like certain ages that were like kind of pivotal, right? Like some, a lot of teenagers didn't even get graduation ceremonies. Like they're never going to have that experience. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Circling back. Okay, <laughs> circling back. Yeah. So. Alan Rusick go do searching for bugs and Brianna's like I don't really see the point but like okay you can search whatever so Rusick finds something and sure enough like her office was bugged in her phone under the table in the plants like you name it it was bugged this scene is kind of cool though like it's cool to see Al like operate with his old school equipment I don't there's something about this well and it's all silent right because obviously of course they have to be quiet for the radio frequency to pick up the bugs Mm -hmm. so like it's all silent it's very it's definitely cool um but so Al mentions that the bugs run out, like I said, on radio frequency, which means like the guy who whoever's listening has to be close by, right? Because they have to be within a certain distance. Mm-hmm. So Ruzik 
they go outside and start searching and Ruzik comes across a van, but like the van speeds away before Ruzik can get to him. So they're back in the bullpen and Alan Ruzik filling everyone in. And apparently the bugs were paid for by Brianna's soon to be ex-husband. So Jay and Aaron go to question him at his work and he admits to hiring a PI to help him with an alimony case. Um, and until things check out with the PI, they're like, okay, we're going to bring you in for questioning. And while they're going through that and like putting the handcuffs on him, Aaron mentions Jay's name and the ex-husband's like, oh, you're Jay? And he's like, yeah. He's like, heard too many times about how Brianna wants to screw you. And I was just like, oh, I was like, okay. If you bug Wendy Seager's room, how many times do you think <laughs> you hear that she wants to fuck Severi? <laughs> That's a great question. More or less than Brianna? <laughs> More. <laughs> Only because, like, Brianna doesn't really, like, Jay works for her. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my mind. I'm going to say less. Even though I think the desire is more from Seeker, mm-hmm. only because Brianna barely knows Jay. Like her Jay, yeah, he's an employee, but like she hasn't known him that long. Like it's clearly just on like looks, right? Mm-hmm. Seeker, I think I'm gonna give her a little more credit. I'm think she is definitely more of a professional than Brianna, so I don't think <laughs> it's gonna come up as often. And I think like. Again, Seeger knows Severi, like they're actually friends. So I'd want to say it's probably a little something she doesn't maybe vocalize as much, even though it's obvious to everyone just from the way she looks at him. I want to say maybe it's something she doesn't vocalize as much, even though she probably wants to fuck him more than Brianna wanted to fuck Jay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it is oh. fun to think about, though. Poor Seeger. I want to like her. I really do. I, I just honestly, don't trust though, her. You give us a moment between, well, you give us two moments, right? You give us the Seeger and Stella stuff. And then you give us the um, one tiny moment of Seeger and Mason. And it's like, and then you haven't brought her back. I mean, granted, it's been like one episode, but like, mm-hmm. give us, you give us two good things to potentially build off of that have nothing to do with Severide for Seeger. And like, are we going to get her back at all this season? I don't know. So, like, really, you give us two good things to potentially build off of and we're not going to get her? It's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, if they wanted to engineer Andy Allo's schedule so that she's like, they could even make her a regular on fire and I wouldn't care. If they shift her focus to, like, being friends with Stella and, like, getting with Mason, cool, no, awesome. No, she can never be a regular on fire because she has to devote enough time to go do upload. That's And that's what I'm saying. They can engineer her schedule so maybe she can be a regular on fire and then maybe during hiatus go do upload. So we have the best of both worlds, right? Like, she's got her I hands almost want it to be vice versa. She needs to be, obviously, she is the star of upload. That mm-hmm. is, she is. She is one of the two main leads of upload. Mm-hmm. And then she can also be, like, a recurring on fire, you know, Vice versa. What Brian said. My brain is fried. Okay. Like my brain is fried. Did you see my text today? How like I work with the guy whose last name is Evans and I called him. I thought it was Hawkins or I thought it was. Oh no. no, His last name is Evans and his his first name is not that. Um, And when I typed the email, I was like, oh, hey, Evan. And then I was like, oh, fuck. Like I emailed him a couple minutes later. I was like, I just realized that I called you that. I'm sorry. I was like, I wonder if I have like Hawkins on the brain. Probably. Let's be real. When in doubt, just blame it on Chicago. Yeah. 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 
Um, so anyway, so later on, we're back at um, intelligence or at the district and Mal starts listening to the PI's phone, like hoping to make more of a, like a solid case connecting the PI to the armed robbery. And so like Jay joins him and Mouse, of course, tries to bring up these old wounds from their military days. But Jay's like, no, 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 like I'm fine. Like, I, I promise I'm okay. Narrator Which voice. is code for it. You're not. But he was not, in fact, fine. Yeah. <laughs> so they're listening into the PI's calls and they hear the PI talking about like wanting his cut, which of course gives them the okay to like go after him and bring him in for questioning. So the PI ends up coming clean. He sold the info to a guy named Colin Briggs for 20% of the cash. Um, and so basically they end up using the PI, of course, to lure Briggs in by setting up a meeting. Um, and then they end up bringing, they get Briggs, whatever. They put him in the cage, which is just like, we haven't seen the cage like in a long time, of course, no. not okay anymore. Not okay ever, but like definitely not okay anymore. And so I was just like, oh my God, they actually are using the cage. Like, what the fuck? There is a lot of police brutality in this back half of the episode. A lot. Yeah. Jay goes in there with brass knuckles. Yeah. And so like, I, so yes. Yeah, so basically Voight's just about to let Jay Adam and like, I mean, Voight's like, I don't know, whatever you do, I'm like not privy to it, whatever. It's, you know, it's like, holy shit. <laughs> so of course- it doesn't get to that point, though, because Antonio tells him, he's like, we've got the rest of the crew. And so Jay confirms, like, from prior arrest photos that, like, one of them is the guy who killed Terry. And, like, they go after them, get them all in custody, you know, all's well that ends well. There's even a moment there, because there's a lot of cringy moments in this back half. Like, there's a moment there where, like, I think Jay, like, tackles the guy or something. Even the moment when Jay jabs the guy in the leg with a screw, I was like, ah, that feels a little extra. Yeah, it's a lot. It's and then Voight's got the gun pointed at a guy at one point, and he's like, "Give me a reason." I'm like, "Brutality, check, 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 check." It almost makes me cringe. Like these early days now, where I'm like, "Oh, they used to do that." Oh my god. Yeah, it's really stark. Because even though I'd say the show now still obviously rides a line, of course, mm -hmm. especially morally with like what's right and what's wrong. We definitely haven't seen, I think, the physical violence from mm -hmm. PD in a while, or to the same extent that they definitely went there in the early seasons. We, yeah. we still see it every now and then, but it's not nowhere near the same extent that they did in the early seasons. No, and you know, I was thinking about this too, because I was like, this is not something you would ever see out of season nine, Jay. But also that I think that that's part of it is, you know, six years older you're six years wiser right like that's the kind of thing that you know yeah 31 year old jay is probably gonna look at it and be like you know fuck yeah i'm gonna go in there with brass knuckles 37 year old jay is probably like that wasn't my best moment but you know what's interesting though and kind of the irony of it is is that 31 year old jay was definitely morally opposed to everything that voight stood for and now jay apparently is like kind of team voight so like yeah, yeah. Just kind of team Voight, but like he knows that he knows that he he is not Voight, but like he knows that he he's got his own code. He knows that. Um. So Jay goes to Brianna and tells her that they got most of her money back, and he also uses this moment to resign from the dispensary. 
But of course, Brianna still remains thirsty AF because she's like, so like, you know, like one of those like girls in cartoons, or whatever, that's like twirling their hair. That's basically <laughs> Brianna in this moment. She's like, so that dinner at Maestro's like, it still stands the offer. She's like, I could use somebody to talk to. It's just like, girl. She's so obvious. Yeah. But Jay like puts her in her place. Finally, he's like, I have somebody waiting for me. And she's just like, oh, like, you know, she's a lucky girl. And like, she basically is like, if anything ever happens between you two, call me. Basically. Yep. And then, of course, we cut to this very brief moment of Terry's funeral. This is like the absolute. These last few scenes are just like the killer. Jay in his uniform was like taking my heart like putting it through a shredder and then like pouring it on the ground stomping on it some more like when I tell you it broke me like Jay in his military uniform broke me well and it's only like two seconds too it's not exactly. even like a full scene I mean it's like two seconds and you see Jay and well you see at first it like the focus is on Terry's wife and then it like zooms of course and you get Jay and Aaron sitting beside him and Jay is just all stoic and Aaron's got some tears, but it's just like, it broke me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then to further break us, Mm -hmm. you get later at Molly's, you've got Jay and Mouse and Ethan sitting around like drinking a beer, sharing war stories. Cause like, that's not killer enough. Like you need all these veterans who have gone through something so personal, like talking about it, Mm -hmm. rip my heart out. Yep. And so, of course, like they're sharing stories or whatever. And Mouse is like, yeah, not a day without, you know, went by without a firefight. And Jay's like, see, the firefights never scared me. It was coming home, having to look into the faces of the wives and families of the guys who didn't make it back. Oh, protect Jay Halstead at all costs, please. For real, though. For real. Like, please. Yeah. And so then Jay leaves Molly's and like actually heads back to the 21st district to talk to Voight and we get this moment. Um, I just wanted to come in and say thank you for keeping me on the case. Well, right now you're gonna take a week's medical leave. I appreciate it, but I'm fine, really. It's not open to discussion. Thanks. Hey, I've been meaning to tell you I'm lucky to have you in my unit. He got the stamp of approval. In a weird, like, I mean, yes, but also I can remember even earlier seasons talking with you about this being like, yeah, but that was weird. Like, Jay, he, Voight says that he, you know, is lucky to have Jay in his unit, but then how many times has he shown that he's like, thinks he wants to half throw him out too? Yeah, but I mean, again, it, 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 I'm, I'm so thankful for that con in 2018 where we did actually ask Jesse that question because it has cleared up every single lingering question we've ever had, right? Even, even to this day when we record and we're just like, but what about this? And we're like, well, Jesse said the relationship changes. Uh, I, I, I mean, it does, I'm sure, right? You don't know someone for nine years and mm-hmm. your relationship, have your relationship not change, but I don't know. Well, I think it's similar to what Jay told Voight in the, was it the mid-season? It might've been the mid-season where he's like, you know, you think I don't know that you're good for this city. I think it's a similar thing, vice versa, because I think Voight is like, listen, I, you know, Jay is different from me, but he's good for the unit and he's good for Chicago. That's true. That's true. 
I feel like I, and I forgot, I was thinking about this too. And I was like, okay, how many characters have gotten like the Voight stamp of approval? Cause that's it, right? When Voight looks at you and says, I'm lucky to have you in my unit. That's, that's the stamp of approval. I know he's done it for Kevin. I don't think he's done it for Adam or maybe he has. I don't think so. Or Kim. Not for Kim, not for Haley either. I don't think we've had an, I'm lucky you're in the unit. No, but Jay and Kevin. Yes. When I say Jay almost got it twice because not only did he have this moment, but he has that moment where he's like, the unit's going to be yours one day. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't. I think that's season seven. The Kelton season. Season six, then. Yeah, because seven got cut short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, this whole episode ends and you, like, cut to Jay. He, like, goes in the bathroom in the locker room and, like, finally breaks down crying about just like everything that's unfolded in the last like 48 72 hours you okay there yeah i just like hit my wine (laughs) um and so yeah and he just breaks down crying and that's how the episode ends this sweet baby like i just wanted to reach through the screen and hug him like he doesn't he he won't let himself be vulnerable about vulnerable around anyone at all and so it's not till he's completely alone that he lets himself feel. I'm just like, sweet baby This Jay. is the ultimate, like, protect Jay Hall said at all costs moments. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, the yeah. ultimate. And and it's a pattern with him, too, because in season two, after he almost dies, um, and he goes to see Maddie the bartender and runs into Brett, like, he lets himself break down once he's alone. Mm-hmm. Sweet baby. Yeah, I forgot about that. Protect at all costs um we did get one well it's a few listener thoughts from our listener heather and she said this is my second favorite jay episode behind i remember her now in season four the setup for this episode from actual physical violence when mouse is taken hostage and will tells aaron mouse was the one to drag jay home after they came back from afghanistan to the episode prior cases that need to be solved where jay refuses to talk to mouse after they after they are reminded of a boy in Landigal and Terry reveals he just got out of rehab was so well executed. The only way they could have made this better would have been to make it a Mouse and Jay episode. But since Mouse still had his felony, I guess he couldn't be on a security run and have a gun. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but it is very well executed in that. I forgot Terry had just gotten out of rehab. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Remember, his wife even tells Jay in, earlier on that like, I'm the one that pulled it out of it. Like, nobody else was here, but, like, I was the one that, like, got him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Heather goes on to say, the dynamic w- that I'm glad they focused on very subtly was Jay and Al, mm-hmm. which we didn't see often. With Al being a veteran himself, it had a bigger impact that he was ho- the one holding Jay back from hitting the driver who ducked and asking him if he was okay. Then the one to tell him to take a break and go to his head straight after he delivered the news about Terry. It was also Al that they had walk up on jay with his foot on the guy's neck and say he would call an ambo to snap him out of it i miss and she says in parentheses i miss al soft-spoken quips mm. if it had been void i don't know if it would have stopped jay from taking things too far but al didn't yeah, um and then void would have void would have basically like given him the decision he would have been like i'm right here do what you gotta do yeah um, and then Heather's last comment says, I like that they actually show veterans in different stages of transitioning back home because there's always a part of them that it that is. I'm glad they included Al to show a soldier who was long home, Ethan, who was still doing similar work in the ER and Terry, who was trying to get his life on track life on a new track like Jay and Mouse had been had 
been by applying with the police academy. They also included this small but poignant moment where Mouse nonchalantly checks on Jay as a small callback to what Will told Aaron about Mouse being the only one who was there for him when they got back. When Jay is talking to Terry's widow, he acknowledges that he knows how rough it is coming home, and later she says he and Terry went through some of the same things. Before watching season five, I thought that he just meant he and Terry saw the same things while deployed, but after Jay tells Luis, Camilla's brother, that all he did when he that all he did when he got him was drink, smoke, screw, and fight. I wonder if it didn't also mean their experience coming back too. I wish they'd been able to dig into that history a little more before Samuel Hunt left the show. I miss Samuel Hunt. Yeah, you too. But yeah, Heather, those are a lot of great points. Yeah, absolutely. I just, there's so much more we could have done with Mouse. There really was. So he's very underutilized. Very missed. Any other notes on this absolute heartbreaker of an episode? It's one of my favorites, though. I love this episode so much. It hurts me. <laughs> I actually have watched it twice since we um, said we were going to do this. I watched it once to, like, outline, and I've watched it again since. I can't do it. I can't do it. Jesse slays every single Halstead episode, every single one, and he slayed this one, and it hurts me. Yeah. So that's about all we've got for today. Um, we have our little Joe preview though first. So we, we do have our little Joe preview because remember what we said at the top of the episode, we have so much stuff for you guys next week. Oh my God. We did talk to Joe Minoso, Um, and we had a great time like always because Joe is a sweetheart. So here's a little bit just to give you a tease and tide you over to Wednesday. Um, yeah. So, so last week's episode or the one before hiatus, I don't know dates anymore, but yeah, um, the one before hiatus. Totally. Yeah, um, Cruz went to Severide and asked for Casey's number so that he could get some advice. We never really got to see that scene, but I'm curious, what did you think? What do you think Casey told him? Because Joe pretty much had his mind made up at that point. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you kind of caught that. I do think he did have his mind made up. You know, I think more than anything, I feel like what Casey expressed was what, a, what joy there was in the little moments um, of like, being there and like seeing small incremental growth, you know, and just kind of how just his presence there has made a change in tiny little ways. And I think that's so much of what being a foster parent is, you know, that's so much of what just being, I think, I mean, you know, what the show stands for is just like, we're there when you need us, you know, it's like we're emblazoned on the side of every truck. Uh, and I and that's why I think it's again such a really appropriate storyline for the show because it is so much about sacrificing some of yourself for someone else um, and and I, it's just they they did they did it so well. Uh, special thanks to both NBC and Joe for always being willing to chat with us. Such a sweet person. Oh my God, I love Joe so much. We're so lucky. This whole cast, every single actor in this cast, they're just wonderful people. There's literally not a bad person in this cast. But actually, though, everybody but is actually, just though. wonderful. They're all wonderful humans. We're very lucky. Very, very lucky. So um, as always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's me to St. Molly's right across the board. And like, if you're not following us already, you want to be for next week. Trust us. Trust us. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Brenna? 
I am at Brian K13. As long as there's new episodes of the shows, there are new episodes of the pod. Reminder that there is a patron happy hour tonight at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, if you are not a patron and you would like more information on how to become a patron, please follow the link in our socials. And yeah, I think that's about all we got. Just you guys are not ready for next week. You're not ready. It's going to be the best. Yep. You're pretty amazing. So everybody have a good weekend. Rest up because next week's going to be one Chicago Christmas and we will see you then. Bye.